Welcome to the Purpose Founder Podcast. We're so excited that you're here. This is a weekly recap of the Life Gathering that happens on Wednesdays at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Join our Facebook discipleship page and receive updates and content information and connect with people from all around the world. We're so excited that you're joining us today. The title is Assurance of Victory, and I'm going to read in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 1. And it says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about your ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulge in pagan revelry, and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did when they died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and, um, and they were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think that you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. These temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a victory over temptation. Father, I just pray that as we go over these, uh, this scripture um, and the your words, Lord, we just pray that you would um, open all of our eyes to see what you are trying to say and hear what you are um, saying to our hearts in the name of Jesus, what you are speaking to us. And God, I pray that each and every person would be impacted for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Men. So as we just read this passage of scripture, the um, the main thing that we see here is that uh, this we're talking about the Old Testament and the Israelites who are walking through the wilderness. They walk through the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and so Paul is writing to the Church of Corinthian. I just want to share some background. He's writing to the Church of Corinthian uh, Corinthians because or Corinth, because they were falling into the sin of idol worship. They were falling back into the sins that they once committed before they came in, before they knew Christ, right? And so Paul here was explaining why is it's why it's important to run from um, idol worship of any kind, right? Because in participating in the, that idol worship, um, we are saying that we want, we are part of that body. We are part of you know, we're participating with demons, basically, he says in the in the, the following verses. 
And so the background of this is just that the in the Old Testament, the Israelites saw God move, right? They saw um, a cloud that followed them during the day and fire that followed them during the night, giving them light. And they, they walked through the sea, right? The, the, the sea split when the Egyptians were uh, chasing after them and they ran through on dry ground and then God closed the sea, right? That's a mighty miracle that they all saw. And even though they saw the power of God working in their lives, they saw the power of God working each and every day. Like God sent manna from heaven. Everything that they ate <laughs> was like from heaven. It came down from heaven. Um, it wasn't something that they had to grow or anything like that. God literally provided food for them. Their clothes never wore out. They were wearing the same sandals and the same clothes, right? God, God provided for them. He protected them. And yet, even after all of that God did, they still fell into the temptation of idol worship. And so um, the verse that we're going to focus on really is uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that says, uh, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Um, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will provide the way of escape so that you can endure, right? So we're going to focus on that. But the whole premise of him saying that verse was pointing to the church of Corinth who decided, oh, okay, well, I have God, but I can also worship idols, right? And so first, I want to just touch on what the word temptation means, right? So it's a trial of man's fidelity, integrity, uh, virtue, constancy, right? Uh, it's an enticement to sin, and and it's a temptation. It can arise from either our desires or outward circumstances, things that we see or things that we inwardly desire, right? And so what does this passage of scripture mean for us now, right? There, there are some people, right, who have seen idol worship or you know people who may do I idol worship, uh, worshiping of ancestors, um, uh, yeah, just wor like... Um, just putting up altars and all these things that are not to God, feeding ancestors, things like that. You may see that, or you may have um, been a part of that before, <clears throat> right? And so for 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 what he uh, Paul is talking about in this passage, this does apply for us right now. But then there are some people who maybe you have never participated in such worship, idol worship, and think that, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. Well, it still does, right? There's different ways that we worship idols today, right? If you if you are thinking, if, if you can think of a time that you thought, hey, if I get this thing or that thing, or if God does this thing in my life, uh, everything's going to be great. I'm going to be fine. It's going to be great, right? You're, you're, you're putting that kind of as an idol in your life, something that you are saying that if you have it, I'll be satisfied in life. So that thing is going to satisfy you more than Christ satisfies you, right? So that's now your idol. So you're doing things. For example, if you're saying, if I have money, if I, if I'm rich, then I'll have, have success, right? So you, you um, kind of live your life in a way that you're saying, I'm going to pursue after this. And so when you're pursuing after this, you kind of completely forgot to forget about Jesus, right? You're doing your own thing to get to the dream that you think will satisfy you. And in the end, you'll find out that it won't. And so it, what it means for us today, maybe you're not do, um, um, maybe you're not doing idol worship or even what I described to you, maybe that doesn't apply to your life. Well, we all face temptation, right? And so this, this passage of scripture kind of points to the, has a promise in it that points to the fact that um, we have victory, we, ha we have confidence, and we have assurance of victory over 
temptation. <clears throat> and I'll show you where that is, right? I mentioned it before, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I said it in a, a different version, but here it says, the temptations in your life <clears throat> are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you the way out, a way out so that you can endure. So from this uh, piece of scripture and from uh, what we see about scripture, what um, about the verses we read from Paul, um, we see that um, there's temptations are faced by the our ancestors, the Israelites in the in the Old Testament. They're faced by um, New Testament believers because he was talking to the Corinth church and it, we are we face temptations as, as well and so the first point that i want to get at and that i'm already getting at is that everyone faces temptation and so i want to give some examples of people in the bible who have faced temptation right we have cain that's like well he's not the first but he's the second <laughs> like we have adam and eve too right his parents but cain he faced temptation he faced a temptation to kill his brother well we know now that he succumbed to that temptation but um he felt the temptation and god actually spoke to him and told him that hey you you don't have to do this sin you can actually not do it but he chose to sin right then we have abraham god gave abraham a promise he's going to God's going to bless his families. He's going to bless the nations through him. And Abraham fell into temptation, right? God said he's going to uh, provide a wife, uh, not provide a wife, but provide a child through his wife, uh, or he's going to bless him. And Abraham and his wife kind of came to this agreement. Okay, we're God said he's going to bless us. We need to have a child. I can't have children. Let's, um, you can have my, um, my, my slave or my servant. Right. So he fell into temptation because he listened to the voice of Sarai, his wife, instead of um, consulting the Lord. Right. So he fell right into temptation. And we have David here also. He, over his whole life, faced many temptations. One of um, one of them that's coming to mind right now is um, when David had a lot of chances to kill Saul. So Saul was the king that was before him. And he was rejected by God because he wasn't, he didn't listen to God. And, and David was made king. Well, Saul got really jealous of David, hated David, and was trying to kill him for a really long period of time. Almost like, I think it's about 15 years. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But he was chasing David for a really long time. And in that long period of time, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, but David had a lot of opportunity he had a lot of opportunity to kill Saul, but every time that opportunity presented himself, he resisted and he actually succeeded in resisting, right? He said, no, I'm not going to kill the Lord's anointed. And he didn't, right? Um, Saul ended up dying in a different way. Then we have Peter. Peter um, was one of Jesus's disciples. He faced temptation. Even God told him what he was going to do. Like he faced the temptation of denying Christ and God told him he was going to, right? But, and he still, and he did, right? He denied Jesus three times, but he could have resisted that temptation to deny Jesus, but he didn't, right? He fell right into that. Uh, and then we have last and not, but not least, Jesus. Jesus himself, God, faced temptation and did not sin, right? He did not sin. And so there are many ways that Jesus 
was tempted. He's, he was tempted in the same ways that we were tempted. There's a verse for that. Um, but he did not sin. So we can have victory over temptation. We see that David had victory. We see Jesus had victory. There's other people in the Bible that also had victory. But these are the people I just wanted to share that like had a, um, were, were tempted and had an opportunity to say no, right? Or to do the right thing. And they may have or they may not have. And so let's just go into some verses that explain that everyone faces temptation, right? So Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter 26 he was talking to his disciples here, right? And he said in verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we see here, um, first God kind of tells us how we can, this is kind of foreshadowing what I'm going to talk about later, but um, he foreshadows um, the fact that we can have victory if we watch, watch and pray that we may not enter into temptation. But here he's just saying that his disciples and later on us, um, can watch and pray that we may not enter into temptation. So we can face temptation. The disciples face temptation. All the people I listed before face temptation. And so again, Jesus himself faced temptation. Hebrews chapter two, verse 18 for everyone, uh, before, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted, right? So Jesus um, being tempted and facing all that temptation, but did not sin, he's able to help us when we're being tempted. So we're seeing here kind of another foreshadowing of how God helps us when we are being tempted. But one thing I want to point out here is that when we are being tempted, I want to just point out that we are not being tempted by God, right? God does not tempt us to sin. Um, he may allow temptation but he is not the one bringing the temptation to us. Um, so we see here in James chapter one, verse 13, it says, and remember when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone. God is good. God does not tempt us to sin. He allows temptation. Um, why? Because it produces endurance in us. It produces character. Um, it makes us more like him through temptation, right? We face a temptation, but we have power. And when we say no, we become more like him. And also in James chapter one, verse 12, the verse before it says, God blesses those who wait patiently enduring testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so when we continue through this life, sometimes we will be, we will be victorious over uh, temptation and sometimes we might fall um but the point is that when we patiently endure that testing and that temptation and we choose and we resolve in our heart and mind to say no uh, we will receive that crown of life right and so the second part about this uh is that first right um everyone is tempted but one thing is that's very important for us to remember in our second point is that god is faithful right god is faithful in temptation. God is faithful. It's very important to know the character of God when you're facing temptation. So in the verse, he literally says, um, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand, right? We have to know that God is faithful, that in every temptation, in every situation in life, God is faithful to us. And if his word says it, then he's going to do it, right? So in 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 13, it says, if we are unfaithful, 
even if we're unfaithful, even if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. God being faithful is who he is. He is faithful. He will not stop being faithful. He will continue to be faithful. And Numbers 20, uh, 23, um, 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? No. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? No. So we see here that God is not a man that he should lie. So when God speaks a word, if he says, oh, in temptation, I'm not going to give you more than you can stand. Um, but not only is that, but he's going to be the one to help us through that temptation. Then that's what's going to happen. There's a time when I first heard 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and thought in my head, this verse cannot be true, right? I faced temptation before. And every time I faced temptation, it always felt like, there is absolutely no way that I can overcome this, this, this urge, this desire to do the wrong thing. And so I was learning first Corinthians 10, 13, and I decided, I was like, okay, God, if this verse is real, <laughs> I need you to show me, I need you to, to show up when I'm facing temptation. And, and he did, right. I prayed that prayer. I was like, okay, God, show me that your verse is real. And so there was one time that I was talking with a friend. I was getting upset. I had like, I was going to say things that were not nice, <laughs> like not necessary. And I literally felt God's spirit. It's like, it kind of was like um, in that moment, everything was in slow motion. And there was a moment in time where I, it was just God talking to me and that everything stopped. And literally in that moment, I heard God say, you don't have to say that you don't have to do that. And I was like, what? Like, it's like in the middle of something happening, like words are being thrown at me. I could throw them back. Lord literally stopped time and was like, you don't have to say anything. And so in that moment, I realized I was like, oh my gosh, this verse is real. Like I remembered that I prayed for God to show me that this verse is real. And, and he showed me, he literally showed me. And in the same way, if we ask, if you ask, he will show you that this verse is real. He will show you that the way out so that you do not sin, so that you can endure that temptation. Like I still felt the urge in that moment to do the wrong thing, but I also heard God's voice. And I also felt that pause where I, in this moment, I can choose, am I going to do the right thing or am I going to do the wrong thing? Right. And so um, that's a promise that we have from God. And that's why it's important to know that God is faithful. Because if he is saying it, he will he will bring it to completion. He will do what he said, just like he did for me. And so the second point of this, uh, no, the third point of this verse is that um, we will not be tempted beyond what we can stand, right? You will not be tempted beyond what you can stand. In this verse, um, Jesus is, is saying um, that, right, you're going to be tempted. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with that temptation, he will provide the way of escape so that you can endure. So you will not be tempted beyond what you can stand. And so in Genesis chapter seven, verse seven, this is going back to Cain, right? And remember I said earlier that Cain wanted to kill his brother. God knew it. <laughs> 
um, because he was mad that his um, his sacrifice was not accepted. Right. He gave instead of giving God like the first fruits of the things he he had, he gave him like the 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 crusty parts, basically the parts that are like not so great. Like, here's my leftovers. You can have them. Can you imagine? Right. Like, you know, you just finished eating and and you have like like just some crumbs left and you're like here god this is what i offer to you and it's like what <laughs> like no god deserves our best right and so this is god talking straight to cain and he said you will be accepted if you do what is right but if you refuse to do what is right then watch out sin is crouching out at the door eager eager to control you but you must subdue it and be its master so you can see here that God is literally telling him their sin is crouching right there. I can see that you want to do this thing and it's eager. Sin is eager to control us, to, to, to have power over us, to master us. But he's even telling Cain here that you must subdue it and be its master. So we know that, and this is the Old Testament, right? This is before they had the spirit of Jesus li like living in um, people right the spirit of god can come upon you like god is talking to him but not in you right and so you must master it and um subdue it and master it so that's kind of saying to us that we can do that too right um and we have a new covenant and so in romans chapter six i kind of want to pause here <clears throat> romans chapter six verse six, uh, six it says we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with christ so that sin might lose its power in our life. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. How many of you guys knew that you were set free from the power of sin? You can let me know in the chat. I want to, I want to see your responses. Did you know that you were set free from the power of sin? And if you didn't know, well, now you know. Okay, when Jesus died on the cross, he broke the power of sin um, that kept us bound, that kept us a slave. So even in the, um, when he was talking to Cain, there's still the power of sin that kind of was hovering and weighing down on Cain because of uh, the, the sinful nature that because of the fall of man, really. And so but now in Christ, when we died with Christ, we were set free from that power of sin. And then here's verse 14, right? If you go down in Romans a little, Romans 6 a little more, it says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And that freedom, let me just say this, <laughs> and that freedom is not saying, oh, I can go and sin however I want. No, you have the freedom to say no and to to control sin, to say sin, no, you cannot rule over me right now. I'm a child of God. I'm walking by the spirit, not by the flesh. Sin is not my master. I'm not a slave to sin, but I'm a slave to righteousness. We can say that. We can subdue sin. We can master it. It no longer masters us, but we master it. And so um, what this point is not saying, right? Um, this point is not saying that in in life, when you are when you're 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 faced with a challenge or you're going through a hard thing that you have the power to face everything in your life without god that my friends is a lie and i know some of you heard that was like yeah that is a big lie it is 
<laughs> this person that's saying that in all things that all things we, that can happen to us that we can handle it right god does does say he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able um, and he provides the way out but that's not the same thing as god giving us more than we can stand more than we can um handle in other situations in life right have you ever faced a circumstance that was like oh god i cannot i there's no way i can do this on my own well yeah it, because you can't <laughs> i had that experience too when i was in college uh, my mom passed away right she was in a different state and it was so difficult for me because i was in the middle of school right i'm trying i'm trying to get an education now somebody has passed away and, the, and it's, it's not just somebody right it's my mother right so it was more than i could bear in that season it was more than i could bear but i still by the grace of god not by my own power not by my own strength or anything like that was able to finish school i was i was still able to get through college and that's by the, the by relying on Jesus, not because I could handle it, because I surely could not. Um, and so God does not expect us to handle and take control of all the things that we're doing, right? He wants it, us to hand it over to him. He wants us to give those heavy things to him so that he can walk us through, he can carry us, right? And so Paul kind of touches on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Um he said he was uh, talking to the Church of Corinth again, who are back in Corinthians. Um, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Did you hear that? We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought that we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And if you are on this call and you felt like you've been in a situation where you're like, I cannot endure this. In fact, I, 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 I expect like, I'm, I just feel like dying, right? You just feel like dying. Like you can't go on any longer. I would say to you, I would encourage you to, to, to give it all to Jesus, to surrender those heavy burdens to him. Because in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, come to me all who are weary, who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, right? When we give him our heavy burdens, he gives us his yoke that's light and easy. <clears throat> and this verse also makes me think of Job, right? Think of the, the Job and his pain and his, this, the suffering that he endured. It must have been completely unbearable right he lost all of his children all of his wealth ev everything he knew he lost it they all died his family died except for his wife um in one day right his friends were against him and after that he was also struck with boils and he was in excruciating pain and even his wife looked at him and was like okay guy curse god and die just die right and he was like, no, right? He resisted the temptation to curse God and, and just, you know, get over with it, right? So we see that in the story of God, we also see in the story of God, something I touched on before, that God did not tempt Job. Nope. He allowed the temptation. Satan did. Say, and, and guess what? The, the best thing about it is that Satan failed. Because yet through all that Job faced, God sustained him. God brought him through. Job relied on him, right? He clung to Jesus in those moments. So yes, 
God is with us in temptation and um, he will not give us more than we can stand because he is with us in it, right? Um, and so the next point I want to get get through now that we understand, right, that um, God is with us in temptation and that he will not give us all that we, uh, that more than we can stand in, in temptation, right? Because he's with us. Um, and he gives us the power even by the Holy Spirit to, to live that holy life, to, to say no, to resist sin. And we also know, right, that sin is no longer our master. So not only do we know these things, but the, the next point I want to get at is that God will show us the way out. I want to give you an example of this in the Bible. I know I've given you a couple, um, but do you remember our friend David, right? We said that, I said earlier that David was tempted in many ways, right? He was tempted to kill Saul. He resisted that early in his life. He was like, no, I'm not going to touch um, God's anointed. I, I would never do that, right? But then later in his life, we see that there's an area where David completely failed, right? He was tempted in the Bible in many ways that he was tempted to kill Saul. He didn't, but David had an opportunity to resist sin again, right? And that's the story of Bathsheba. If you have read your Bibles before, if you've read the story, um, David was, he was supposed to be at war, but he decided not to be, right? So he's already in disobedience in a sense. Um, so he decided to stay back. And then he saw somebody, uh, a, a young lady taking a, a shower somewhere or taking a bath somewhere. Um, and he saw her silhouette and he was like, oh my gosh, who is this person, right? First of all, he shouldn't have been looking, but <laughs> um, he saw somebody who was tempted um, to, to do the wrong thing. And he actually did do the wrong thing. But I just want to show you in that story, right? that God showed, gave David a way out, right? Like I said, in every temptation, no matter what it is, there's going to be a way out. It's our choice where we can choose life or we can choose death. We can choose to say no to temptation or we can choose to choose that temptation and fall into sin, which is death. Um, and so here's the famous part, um, part of scripture that I wanted to bring out. Isn't that Uriah's wife? When David saw this woman and he was like, oh my gosh, I need to have this woman, right? Um, he sent somebody to go and inquire of it. Second Sam Samuel uh, chapter 11, verse three. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? I want to point out that this was David's way out, right? So now he knows who the woman woman is. He knows that she is married. He knows that um he knows who Uriah is, right? Uriah is fighting in the war. Um he's fighting for the people of Israel. He's on um David's side, right? So this was David's way out. Knowing this information, he could have stopped here. He could have been like, "Okay, no." Like this person, this, this lady, this woman is married. Let me leave her alone. Let me, you know, get my, my, myself together. Right. But no, David chose to continue on even knowing who Bathsheba was, right? He didn't change his mind. He decided to pursue after this person. And if you know the story, it ended in murder of Uriah and um, Bathsheba getting pregnant, Bathsheba becoming um, his wife, 
and Uri Uriah getting killed um, on the other side of it. But let me tell you, there are also very serious consequences to when we fall into temptation, right? So for, for David, he was severely punished um, because of his sin, right? We see that in the end of his life, kind of how it went with his son and all these things, all the things that happened, right? He was rebuked by the prophet of the Lord and he repented though. In this moment, he still repented, but there were still consequences that he faced because of his sin. And so we see that there's many ways that we can fall into temptation, right? There's many ways that we uh, we can do that. But now under the new covenant, as I read earlier, um, we have victory over this. We we can say no. And so I kind of want to talk about, after talking about that, right? That sounds really sad. But the, the next point I have and the last final point is steps to victory. I want to give practical steps we can take to resist temptation, right? James chapter four, verse seven says, so humble yourselves, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How can you humble yourself, right? So these are, this is kind of the tools that we need. Humble yourself, resist the devil, and he will flee. How can you humble yourself? Well, to humble yourself, you have to realize your need for God. You have to realize that you need Jesus to succeed to have victory over temptation. You can't have victory on your own. Even though we'll not be tempted beyond what we're able, we can't have victory unless we know who we are in Christ, right? If you don't, then you don't, you will never think that you can have victory. You just continue on and doing the sin. Just like I thought, like I just have to continue sinning because I don't see a way out. I don't feel like I can stop. Yeah, you can, right? Um, so we need to recognize um, our weakness. Each person here, we have a weakness. What is your weakness? You know, think to yourself, what is your weakness? Right? And so humble yourself. Realize your need for God. Realize that you can do nothing apart from him. And then we see the next thing, resist the devil. Right? Pray to him. Call out. Um, resist the devil by rebuking his lies, declaring God's word, and he will flee. And we have this example, actually, in Matthew chapter 4. Um, it's and this is when Jesus was being tempted, right? Remember that time I said Jesus was tempted too, and that verse in Hebrews that says Jesus was tempted. Well, here's a, a a real example of Jesus being tempted, right? It says in verse one, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, "If you are the Son of God." Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so this passage of scripture kind of blows my mind, right? Because Jesus, he have not, has not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, that's a, he must have been weak, right? <laughs> like that, have you, has anybody ever fasted for longer than three days? Without food, without water, like without food, I mean, you got to drink some water or you'll die. So without food, um, it's really difficult. It makes you really weak. It makes you really tired. And he and Jesus did it for 40 days and 40 nights. And and Satan came to him and, and kind of tempted him to, to make himself some bread, right? Get some bread and you're fast. You know, you don't, you, you need some, you need some food. I can get you some, right? 
Uh, you can you can get some for yourself actually tell these stones to become loaves of bread right no jesus is he rebuked the devil he said no he resisted him and he used scripture right he declared god's word that men do not live on bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of god so we see jesus was submitted to god because he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was led by the Spirit of God. He was submitted before God. Um, he resisted the devil and the devil uh, flees, right? So if you read down, he was um, tempted, I think, three other times or two other times. And and Jesus fully resisted using the word of God. Um, and the devil, what happened? He, fle he, he fled. He left, right? So we see here those are... Uh, the ways, the practical steps. And I have some points here too. Um, earlier, we read a verse that where Jesus was talking to his disciples because they kept falling asleep. He said, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Watch and pray, right? We can be, um, pay attention, right? First of all, knowing your weakness, that prayer also kind of signifies that you are submitted to God, right? You're praying to God because you know that you need his help, right? You're not just praying to say, look at how great I am. That's, we can talk about prayer, even though we did actually, we, we talked about it last week, right? It's not just praying what you think is right, but it's when you're praying in Jesus name, you're praying in line with who Jesus is, right? So watch and pray, even in um, Matthew 6, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he talked about um, praying for temptation, right? And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from all evil, right? So watch and pray, be sober-minded, be aware, um, be aware of your own weaknesses. The second, call on Jesus, right? We can call on Jesus, just like I did. I was like, Jesus, okay, I see this verse, I need you to help me, okay? If this verse is so real, show me, right? And even in the middle of temptation, if you don't have a scripture memorized or you can't think of one in that moment, call on Jesus. If all you can do is say the name of Jesus, that works too. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And then the third, declare God's word. We see in scripture that Jesus declared God's word, right? That's how he resisted the devil, He's quoted scripture. So it's very important that every believer knows the word of God, right? It's it's powerful. It's a double-edged sword. It's our weapon. It's the sword of the spirit, it says in Ephesians. The sword of the spirits is our it's our power against that temptation, right? Um, the word of God is living, is living and active and powerful. And so even if you don't know verse, Hey, you can memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It's a really long verse. So by the time you memorize it and you say it, the, the temptation is probably going to be gone because it takes so long to say that verse, right? So um, these are practical steps we can take to resist temptation, to stand firm on God's word, um, just like he said that he that we can do. And most importantly than all, remembering that God is faithful in temptation um, and that he gives us the strength to be victorious over it because he broke the power of sin and death so that we can walk in freedom. And so that brings me to the end of, of our message. And so 
um, I just want to take this time to share about Jesus, right? To take this opportunity to ask everyone on this call, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Uh, do you know the man that came to this earth, faced all temptations, did not sin, fully God, fully man, did not sin and died for your sake? so that you can have power over the very sins that plague you, the sins that you are tired of dealing with, the temptations that you're facing, he can give you power over them, right? So do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you want to know him? Well, I hope you do, because I'm going to share the gospel with you. And so Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And so we have all, because of our sinful nature, strayed away from God. We've all chosen our own way, right? Chosen the sins that we want to do and, and think that they're right. And, oh, no, that's not a big deal. Well, um, sin has penalty, and that penalty is death, right? But here we see in this verse that God has caused the iniquity of all of us, every single person, to fall on Jesus. And so Romans chapter 6, verse 23 for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, just like I said, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the penalty or the price for sin is death. And this death is referring to eternal separation from God in hell. Why? Because sin makes a separation between us and God. And so sin separates us from God. We have all sinned. We're in need of a Savior. Well, the good news of the gospel is that God loves us so much and wants fellowship and relationship with us that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our, our sins, right? Jesus was fully God, fully man. He was tempted in all the ways that we have been tempted, all the ways that human beings are tempted. He was tempted and he did not sin. And because of what he's done, right, by uh, dying on the cross and paying the penalty for sin, we get to have relationship with, with him. We get to know him here on earth and continue to know him for eternity when we die and go to heaven. The Bible said that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You will get the gift of eternal life. And because eternal life is a gift, it's not something you can earn by your good works or trying to be a good person or anything like that. No, absolutely not. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one should boast. So that no one can say, oh, look, I uh, accomplished salvation by my works. You can't, right? We've all sinned. And so it's because of what Jesus has done that we get that salvation, that we get to know God and to no longer be separated from God, right? So if you're hearing this gospel, you're hearing what Jesus has done on the cross to give you victory over sin, to set you free from the power of sin and that heaviness that you may be, may be carrying, well, um, if you're wanting to give your life to this person, say this prayer with me. If you're wanting to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, or you are saying in your heart that, you know, I thought I knew God, I've been, and I, and I strayed away from him, and I want to come back. I no longer want to go my own way, but I want to receive his gift fully. Say this prayer with me. 
Father God, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need you to forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died a painful death and rose again so that my sins could be washed clean. Thank you, Jesus. I want to make you the Lord of my life and I will trust you and follow you. Everything that I have is yours now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining our Purpose Founder podcast. If you made a decision for Christ today, fill out the link below and let us know so we can send you a free devotional and get connected with you. We also want to remind you to join our Facebook discipleship page and get connected with us and people all around the world. Until next time, we'll see you soon.